you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. Our God is such a great God. I'm excited to welcome you to another service at The Rock. My name is Jeff and I'm the lead pastor here. And it's my joy, honor, and privilege to welcome you, whoever you are, wherever you are, to experience the transformative Word of God as you sit and absorb through your ears and your eyes the teaching of God in His Word uncompromised. Your life will be built more solid than ever before. That's why it's our mission, building solid lives. And in fact, it's very personal and individual in my heart. I want to see your life uniquely, individually, personally built solid. Jesus says these words. He says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you who he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation. And so when the winds and the storms of this life came and beat against that house vehemently, it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. May your life today be founded on the rock because you decide to dig deep. And as we look today at some current events and things going on in our world right now, may you see yourself and others through the polished, crystal clear, and focused lens of Scripture. Why don't we start in John 10, one of my favorite chapters, and starting in John 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Folks, we are in a spiritual battle and there are wolves all around. But here's the good news. There are sheep and there are shepherds as well. As you listen to my voice as an under-shepherd, I've been listening to the voice of the good shepherd all week, preparing this message for us, digging deep in the, the soil of my own heart and praying for you. And so as we look at this, we need to know that we're in a spiritual battle, but we, have, we are spiritual beings filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We have spiritual armament and weaponry that we are going to use, and we are going to be lights in this darkness, and we are going to prevail in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. All right, so with that amen, let's pray, and we'll get into the message. Father in heaven, we seek you today for who you are. Not because of what you can bless us with. For who you are, you are good. You have good, complete, perfect plans for each one of us written by you uniquely before the foundation of time. And we thank you for thinking so much of us that you would take such considerable time and plan our lives. May we live them according to your perfect will and find ourselves set free by knowing the truth of your word. We give ourselves to it today. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Now, I'm sure by now you've gathered your families, loved ones, and those close to you. You've gathered them and you have your Bibles in hand. If you do, would you raise them up as we make this declaration, as is our custom. We do it every week when we posture ourselves before the Word of God to hear Him speak to us. Let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen. Last week's message has been becoming more fascinating to me as the days go on. Because I'm discovering that every scripture that the Lord gave to me to bring to you last week could just as easily have been preached in this context right now. So it worked for Pentecost and it works for this moment right now. God is so amazing. What a master craftsman indeed. If you go back and look at last week's message called God's Church Reborn and overlay it right now with what we're going through here in America, you will find so many parallels. It'll blow your mind. I encourage you to look at that message if you haven't seen it yet and maybe review it even if you have because God is trying to get a message through to us as he rebirths his church his way. I think what we go through today is going to be a big part of that as well. And so, if you'll do a favor for me and turn to two places in your Bibles, turn to Galatians 5 and Matthew chapter 9. Galatians 5 and Matthew chapter 9. We're in a message called Rebirthed in Love. Rebirthed in Love. See, many in our nation are right now rightly asking the question, what can be done to unite us instead of dividing us. We're so divided. We're divided socially. We're divided financially. We're divided morally. We're divided spiritually. I mean, we are a divided people. I didn't mention racially, but I should. We're in this moment. We're divided racially, and that must not be. But we're going to combat it. Everyone made in the image and the likeness with the dignity of being God's creation. That's what we're going for. And let's dig into this word. Remember I was talking about John 10. Now in that 12th verse, I want to revisit something. In verse 12 it says, The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. When the wolf comes, oh he catches some sheep alright and scatters them. Why? Because there's no shepherd watching. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them. He was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. He was moved with compassion. What does compassion even mean? Compassion means having sympathetic pity or concern for the suffering of others. Sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering or misfortune of others. Look what Jesus did. He was going. Jesus went were the first words of that passage. He commands us to go. And as we go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was doing all this. And he empowers us to heal just like he did. 
to make a significant difference in the Spirit. He's given us His Holy Spirit to use. We are what we call a Spirit-filled people. We welcome the Holy Spirit of God to live in us and give us direction and wisdom and insight and empowerment to do even miracles on this planet. I'm telling you, I feel so empowered. I feel like I can often just go out there, start applying the truths of the Bible and seeing significant change happen. And I do. Things will come into me by text message and we start warring in the spirit right then. And we hear testimony after testimony, story after story of people's lives being changed, rescued, healed, dramatically improved, blessed, provided for, all the rest. Because God's word is true and he's faithful to it. He will always keep his promises. And so we walk in faith. We don't walk by sight. We are those who see what's going on and say, I can fix that. (laughs) Send me over there. I can fix that. And Jesus is saying, okay. In fact, let me not get ahead of myself. But moved with compassion, I think our compassion quotient may be limited. And we need to increase that. See, Jesus knew that he was the answer. In fact, Jesus still is the answer and will always be. And by giving you and by giving me his spirit we are enabled to become transformative agents here on the earth. Things that need changing, you and I can change because we have been authorized to do it. Amen. John 9, 5 and John 8, verse 12 say these, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's very interesting that Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You know, we live in a dark world, don't we? You know, one of the scriptures that we are constantly talking about for these past couple years is, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But, arise and shine. I am am arising in you. So, don't be afraid to let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that the whole answer anyway? We, we send people right to God and say, He is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He can fix whatever is broken and wrong and sick and destitute. All of it. He'll fix everything if you let Him. You have to go to Him though. Those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We're constantly sending people right to the throne of Jesus. And saying, take my life in exchange for yours. And Jesus says, I'll take that deal. Amen. But now look what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Are you ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. What? Jesus, I thought you just said that you're the light of the world. Now you're saying that I'm the light of the world? He said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And then he's going away and he's saying, now you're the light of the world. What a mantle that is. What a responsibility we have to be the light of the world in a dark place, shining. You know, like a a lamp, not hidden under a basket, but set on a table so it can light the whole house. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, the Bible says. And so that is our responsibility, to shine brightly as lights in a dark place. And do it this way. Philippians 2 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life 
the word of life. We hold this so fast. We hold it and we say, without you and your words, where else would we go? Only you have the words of life. We're shining in that way. And that's how we're meant to do it, without complaining and disputing. But we're shining brightly. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Look at Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Send us, Lord. Send me. It's, it's easier to say us, isn't it? Would you, would you join me in saying, Lord, send me. Come on, right now. Lord, send me. Send me into your harvest field. Send me to multitudes who are scattered, been scattered by the wolf, like sheep having no shepherd. Send me. Let me shine brightly among them. Let them see the good things I do and glorify you. Send me. Lord, would you make each of us ambassadors of the kingdom, imperial heralds that go out and say, this is what the king of kings says, and it's only going to be good for you. Listen to him. We want to bring healing and not hurt to our neighbor, to our brother. Healing and not hurt. Look at 1 Chronicles 4, 9-11 through 11 says, and this may not come as a shock to you. Many of you may have known that book, The Prayer of Jabez. We're talking about Jabez here. This is his little moment in Scripture, his 15 minutes of fame. Here we go. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. All right, what a moniker that is. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, listen to this, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and here's the important part, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Isn't that fabulous? I love this scripture. You know, uh, when we had first read the book about 20 years ago, I think it was published in 2000, uh, everyone was focusing on the, bless me, Lord, bless me, enlarge my territory. And there's nothing wrong with the Lord's blessing. He has all that for you. But I want to focus on this latter part today. That you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. See, that's the prayer and the heart of Jabez. Yeah, make me a blessing to others in every way. That I can bless them from my abundant blessing and that you'd keep me from evil so I don't cause pain. That's kind of like job number one. Isn't that the uh, Hippocratic Oath? Isn't that what it's called? I'm no doctor. I just play one on TV but they say do no harm, right? That's the first rule of being in medicine. Do no harm. Keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Let me tell you a story. When my kids get hurt, you know what I do? No? I'll tell you. (laughs) I bring them close to me scoop them up in my arms. I say, oh baby, what's wrong? What happened? And they tell me. And I listen. And I comfort them. I say, man, oh, that must really hurt. I'm so sorry that you got hurt. I enter their pain with them. I take a time. It doesn't have to be very long, and often it isn't. But I just take the time necessary in gathering them up and drawing them close to me. You know what that does in the heart of another human being? It says, I'm important. It says, I'm valuable to you. And my kids are valuable to me. And church, you are valuable to me as well. 
See, I ask them, can I do anything to help you? And often they say no. Sometimes it's like, give me a Band-Aid or kiss it or, you know, whatever. But often there's nothing really extra that needs to be done. Just the simple act of drawing them close, listening to what they have to say, entering into that hurt, and showing compassion is all it takes. I mean, if I ever have any sort of practical advice or wisdom to give them as they would go back out, I give it to them, and I say, all right, you feel better? You ready to go play? Okay, be careful. Go have fun. And I send them right back out to live the life that they want to be living. They're, now they're done with this, maybe, and now it's time to go back. But we've taken that time together, and that investment, I mean, just think about any person that comes in contact with you that's hurt. You think it's not going to work? You caring about what they care about? I mean, pain is no joke. Pain is a constant reminder. Pain reminds you it's happening. Now, so that sounds really great. Oh, what a great dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe. But listen to these contrasting ideas. If someone hurt them intentionally or unintentionally, if they hurt themselves intentionally or unintentionally, what do you think that I do in that case? I do the same exact thing. Why? Because they're still hurting. They're still people. They still need comfort and compassion and reassurance. On, on Thursday, uh, my three-year-old Isla, she somehow got a dresser drawer to the mouth. I was uh, comforting Stephen, who is two, and uh, I wasn't seeing what was going on, and so I had no idea why she was crying. Do you think I said, Isla, what are you doing? Why are you crying? Quit crying. Quit being so loud. Of course not. Of course I wouldn't say that. No, I do what I always do. Oh, baby, come here. What happened? Did you get hurt? And I, and I put her on my knee, and I just kind of sit there with her. And she said, yeah, the drawer hit me in the mouth. And she's crying, and I just wipe her tears from her face. Why? I love her. I love her. And I want her to feel better. Isn't that what we as humans do? We want the other person to feel better. A friend of mine said, you know what it takes? Love the next man. Love the next man. The next person you come in contact with, show them love. That, that is what it takes. That was profound. And I love it. I love it. I never want anyone to be in pain. Why? Because I genuinely love people. I love people. I, I'm an external processor. I like kicking ideas around with people. I love seeing them get their destiny lived out in the Lord. I love them seeing, to, seeing them come to faith in Christ, understanding the Bible maybe for the first time, getting healed. All, I love all of it. I love seeing their careers thrive and prosper. I, I love people. And, and you know what else? <laughs> because pain hurts. I've experienced pain, and I know it, and I don't want that for you. I don't like pain at all. Uh, before anyone jumps in and says that, uh, oh yeah, well Jen has birthed five kids and I haven't. I know that. I'm very fully aware. And so let me, when she gives live birth to, to children, I pass out. You know why? Compassion. <laughs> Compassion. She gives the birth. I, I do the passing out. You know, I'm in it with her. You see? <laughs> she may not take it that way, but that's how I'm presenting it to you today. Compassion. Hashtag compassion. All right. Matthew 5. 43. Matthew 5, 43, just a few pages back. Let's get there. Jesus again says this. You have heard that it was said, 
You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I don't know who said that, but that's not right. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Wow, that's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. There are four things to do there. Love, bless, do good, and pray. And this is for your enemies. One of the scriptures that we used last week was talking about, if you only love those people who love you, what good is it? Everyone does that. Everyone does that. How about loving your enemy? That's supernatural stuff right there. That's stuff that the world doesn't understand. And when they see it happening, they're like, how could you possibly? They say, Jesus forgave me so much. He loves me even though I was a wreck. I was cursing him to his face, and he still saved my life. The least I can do is forgive. The least I can do is love. Amen. This next scripture comes from Romans chapter 12, 14 through 19. And I like the heading. The heading is, Behave Like a Christian. You, if you know me at all, you know that I would dig that heading. Behave like a Christian. And it says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Hold on to that. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, and I use this one all the time, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And in verse 21 it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to go back to that. Weep with those who weep. I think the rejoice with those who rejoice part is pretty easy for us, isn't it? Do you have the same easy going time as I do rejoicing with people who are happy? You know, maybe they, they're having a baby or they're, they're going to get married or they just got a new job or a new car or any number of things. A kid got the honor roll. I don't know. They got a raise at work. I'm always rejoicing with people because we have all these testimonies coming in. But what about the weep with those who weep part? How are you with that? It's time to take stock. Because in equal measure, we're meant to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. How are we doing weeping with those who weep? I got to tell you, I, haven't, I didn't plan to say this, but this week I've been so tender and, and weepy, you might call it. Compassion. There are people that I love and I care about and they are hurting because of things that are going on in the world. And it's not just one thing. In all the calls I've made, in, in all the conversations that I've had, you know what I keep hearing? It's not just one thing. It's that here we are again. Here's just another example. Here, here's another notch. Here, here's a, another mark against. And it's more division. And it's just more cost. And it's more internal turmoil. And they're just sad. And they're weeping. 
And I found myself at many times weeping. I, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, you've seen it. Here, here I am, I'm processing this, and I'm finding myself just breaking down. I'm walking around the house. My kids are, what's, what, Daddy, what's wrong? People are sad around us, and I'm sad, and people are getting hurt, and some people get killed, and it's not okay. And it just breaks my heart. Does it break your heart? There's a song, and I really like it. It says, break my heart for the things that break your heart. And, and there's another one, a worship song. It says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cost. I, I, I love these songs because they tap into something that's real. I say, yeah, you know what? I should be weeping with those who weep. And maybe I can do better. I bet I can. Lord, help me do better. It says, be of the same mind toward one another. How do you do that? There are some people, I will tell you, that I am like diametrically opposed to. We just come from like way, that's the horse of a different color, you know? And it's like, I, the Wizard of Oz, that, that, old, that old quote. And I'm like, I just have no frame of reference. You clearly don't have a frame of reference for me either. And we don't have any common ground, any commonality. How in the world are we going to be of the same mind toward one another? But I have a hint for you. It's time. Spend some time. Seek them. Listen to their stories. Uh, not to be too trite about it, but you know the old adage, well, you have two ears and one mouth, so do twice as much listening as you do speaking. Yeah, it's kind of true, though. And maybe we can listen first. Maybe we can try to understand, and in the course of time, we can be understood as well. That's what a good relationship is. You know, it's, I don't know if you want to say give and take, but it's mutual. Whatever it is, is mutual. I don't want to just talk at you. I want to hear from you. And, and if you don't want to hear from me, but you only want to talk at me, that's going to wear pretty thin pretty fast. Be of the same mind toward one another. I want to know, I want to discover where you're coming from. And there's just a very practical application is spend time with somebody else asking them, what do you think about this? How are you doing with this? How are you? And you can ask anything, almost. And just honoring them by saying, I'm interested. I'm listening. I'm paying attention to you because you're worth my time. What's the converse? You're not worth my time. And so if I'm not asking you, what message does that send? Maybe you're not wanting to send that message, and I don't believe that you are. But now we have the opportunity to do something about it. To say, I know that they'll feel loved. They'll, the compassion that I actually have in my heart will be shown if I take the time and I just get on the phone, go out to coffee, do whatever I got, get on a FaceTime and say, how are you doing? Talk to me. How's your heart? You'll be amazed at what comes out and the relational capital that you'll build and the opportunity to speak life and hope into them. In fact, when we prayed on Saturday, you know, I was talking to my friend Jordan, lead pastor of Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he was saying all these little conversations, like the one that we had, he said all of these little conversations have done a little bit of healing in my heart as I just go through the days. And I'm very tender and, and, and uh, you know, he was really broken hearted. He said all these little conversations are healing just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And you know what? Those add up, don't they? Be part of a solution. You sure can. You can be a part of a solution for those who are, are hurting. And maybe they're feeling it more extremely than you're feeling it. You know what? Just weep with those who weep. 
You don't have to get it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to start at the same starting line. I mean, do any of us start at the same starting place? No. But when we spend time with one another, we get to that place where we can have the same mind toward one another. Galatians 5, 14 and 15 say this. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As we started the Rock Lab last week, it was just kind of uh, heavy, maybe. I don't know. It was just really clear that we should start at a place that I didn't think that we would start. And it was love your neighbor. And I I don't exactly know the timeline of how events have been playing out. But the Lord, I think, really gave me a gift in that, that we started there instead of where I would have started. I would have started two other places before I started there. But nevertheless, God shifted my perspective, and we started there with showing love to our neighbors. And then, either I discovered it or I found out or whatever, but we're in this moment, and how helpful is it that we started there and we were obedient to that? The Rock Lab is basically just you applying the scripture. Instead of just coming and hearing another word, another good, uncompromised message from the Bible, and having more head knowledge, but little life change or little heart transformation. No, we're applying these words deeply, and we're finding out, and we're just working through it. So it's like, all right, lecture's done, lab time. Let's cut this pig up, you know? Let's get this thing going. That was probably gross, but if you're in biology class, you know what I'm talking about. Let's cut up this pig. Let's get boots on the ground. Let's, let's make some forward progress. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and listen to how it goes on to say. It says, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I mean, we can make enemies, can't we? I mean, if we're not showing love and compassion and tenderness, weeping with those who weep and all of that, we can make enemies because we're just so self-centered. And we don't really care enough to spend any time with anyone. And so they're like, well, you don't care about me. I don't care about you. We can do better than that. And this is how. Just apply the word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to wrap up with this last scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 now. Verse 13 says this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You know what? I feel like just even getting my shoulders, getting my stance up a little bit, and holding my head up a little higher, to stand. And then it goes on in verse 14 to say this, Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying with all prayer and supplication always in the Spirit. Praise God. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is a good word. This is a good list. This is a good checklist for us, along with the others. You know, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And let's just walk through this. Why? So you can be able to withstand in the evil day. Would anyone call this day evil? 
Yeah, we're kind of living in an evil time, brother against brother. It's we're against each other, and we need to unite and not continually divide. Withstand in the evil day, and then stand, and you gird your waist with truth. You know, it's like, yeah, man, if you don't go out without a belt or whatever, right? If you're not girding your waist or something, it's likely you're going to be embarrassed. Something's going to fall down, you know, and you'll be exposed, and you don't want that. Gird your waist with truth. God's word is truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He calls us perfect. The Lord sees us as perfect somehow. And you and I know that is not the case. But in God's economy, how He sees us through the lens of the blood of Jesus, He says, perfect, righteous. And this breastplate of righteousness that you put on, man, don't ever take that thing off. Once you're saved, stay saved. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and live in the fullness of of that salvation, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Notice it's not just shod your feet with peace. No, no, no. With the preparation of the gospel of peace. At any time of the day when I'm hungry, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go right out to the kitchen and just pick up whatever I was thinking, whatever I have a hankering for. But you know what? It needs to be prepared, doesn't it? It doesn't just magically exist on the counter waiting for me to come pick it up hot and ready as I would like it, you know? And there's my Mountain Dew cold with a couple ice cubes in it, and here we go. No. The preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel means good news. Have you been preparing to give good news of peace to people? Or have you been maybe conversely, and I'm just going <laughs> to I'm gonna go there for a second, have you maybe been poking at some people on Facebook, poking at groups, and, and maybe you know not humanizing people, not seeing them as individuals, as people with hearts and souls and, and capacity for pain and love and all the rest? Maybe you've just been like, Lumping them all in a group, whoever they are. I mean, it could be a different race. It could be the police. It could be looters. It could be whatever. I'm reading a scripture about robbery today, and I'm like, yeah, that's not good. You know, God hates that and all this. And it's like, okay, okay. And we can get there, but we don't necessarily have to start there. Let's start with love and compassion and a listening ear and a heart that says, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, you and me. We're together. <laughs> Don't watch this movie, but it's a movie that I love, My Blue Heaven. He's like, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and the FBI agent is a criminal saying to an FBI agent, he said, I'm with, you say you're with me. He said, no, when I say I'm with you, it doesn't mean I agree with you. It just means I'm with you. You know, we don't have to agree right off the bat on everything, but let's just be together and stay and say, you know what? I'm so committed to you that I'm holding on tight to you. You're my brother and I love you. We'll get through this. Let's work through this. Tell me something. Tell me how you're feeling. I mean, that's a great way. That's a bridge to peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith, it's like, you know, you dunk that shield in water and people are, are firing. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but they're firing fiery darts at you. The, this dunk shield in, that's dripping with faith, right? Going to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. You know, in that civil war, you know, that's Iron Man's side and Captain America's side. You know, we're, I got to tell you, see, we're a Captain America family over here. Yeah, we love Iron Man, but we're on Captain America's side and he's got that shield. That's awesome. We, it's the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts 
of the wicked one. The enemy is launching out attacks through the mouths of people that who have been given over to him. In that way, even in that moment only, they're launching attacks against you. And you know what? It's time to quench those fiery darts. Don't let them get to you. Don't let them pierce you. No, no, no. Quench them right with the shield of faith. Lord, you have a better plan. I believe that. You use me to break through and to cause unity and not division. It says, and take the helmet of salvation. Of course, we're all... You know, we're, we're not once saved, always saved people. It's always like, hey, stay in it. Stay with me, right? Keep up the faith. You know, run the race. Finish well. And, uh, and it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. This Bible that we love so much, or that we say we do, and we'll prove it if we get in it and start applying it. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then it says, praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication for the benefit of others. I'm interceding for somebody else in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is what God wants us to do. And I'm excited to do it with you, right alongside you, arm in arm, linked together, and say, you matter. You, Whoever you are, you matter to me. You matter. And you know what? I'm going to go the distance on this. And I'm going to say, don't be afraid to say black lives matter. I mean, who would argue that? No reasonable person. Black lives matter. And, and you know, I don't even feel the need to go about other lives right now. Yes, all of that. But you know what? I'm just going to say it. Black lives matter. And, man, how many of my dear, precious black friends do I have that I don't want them to be cost one whatever the measure of pain is. I don't want them to suffer any pain. God doesn't want them to suffer any pain. He wants them all to be saved and rescued. And many of them are. And I've learned so many things. I mean, heaven's sake, there are so many preachers that I look to right now, black preachers. I'm like, man, I could get down in your church, you know. <laughs> and I love it. I look to, you know, Bishop Jakes. I love him. Bishop Joseph Garlington. Oh, I love him. The, the, Pastor Carl McCauley. Are you kidding me? Moses and me. you got to go look it up. There are so many people. It doesn't matter about the color of your skin. What are we doing? God has a better plan for us. So let's put it into practice right now and start what it says here, praying always. Let's pray together right now. Shall we? Come, let's bow your heads with me. God, we see you for who you are. You have the best plans. We're not fooling ourselves to think that we're any smarter than you are. We're asking you for wisdom. And you know, we know that when we ask, you give to us wisdom liberally and without reproach. You're not mad at us for asking you. You know that we don't know. And so we welcome your wisdom. Father, we repent right now. Right in this moment, we repent for being either intentionally ignorant or if there's latent or even explicit racism in us, all of that, if we have any lack of compassion in us for one another, if we're not seeing our neighbor, if we don't even have an interest to go meet our neighbor, though we're already so far behind what your plan is for us. We repent of that and we, we turn the complete other direction and say, lead us in the way everlasting. Make us light. Make us salt. We give ourselves to you. Let us bless and benefit our neighbors. We ask you to teach us. Lord, teach me. Help me to learn to want to enter into the experience of my neighbor and show your love to them. Help me learn to want it. 
just like you've shown me so with many other things. Helping me to learn to want to pray. Helping me to learn to want to read your word and, and see the benefit. I've experienced all those. I know that you can do this. I'm open for it. I'm open to you. Remake me in your image, Lord, into someone who embodies the demonstrated compassion of Jesus. We want to look just like your son in every way. Make us compassionate as we see multitudes, even as we see groups, all the way down to individuals. Every time we come into contact with a human, Lord, let us show compassion. We ask for it from you. We ask you to fill us with your spirit afresh. Fill us with your wisdom. Fill us with your courage, with humility, with your love. Fill us to overflowing that we can bless others. I want to honor you, Lord. Would you say that with me? I want to honor you, Lord. You are my God. I am your son or your daughter. And I give myself to you. Use me. Here I am. Send me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a, what a day. What a focus. This is an opportunity, though, that we have. And if we miss it, we're fooling ourselves. Let's not miss it. I believe that in America right now, the outcry that we're seeing, the, the turmoil, the, the solidarity, the, the gathering together, you know, maybe it's not all right, maybe it's not all good, but a lot of it is coming from a really good and a really strong place. And let's, let's latch onto that arm in arm and say, I stand with you. I stand for your rights, for your dignity. I love you. Let's do that and not miss it because I'm not sure I've ever seen a time like this in our history where we have such an opportunity as the church especially. We're supposed to be the ones known first for love. Who loves the best? The Christians. <laughs> you know, Who loves the best? Those guys at the rock. Amen. And so let's do that. And let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we'll reap if we do not lose heart.